The upsets have continued, the tennis continues to enthrall, the atmosphere has been scintillating. Not much else should be expected. After all, we are in tennis paradise in the California desert. This is one amazing oasis. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Paradise podcast coming to you from the BNP Paribas Open and the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. My name is Craig Gabriel and I'm delighted to be your host and I'm joined by my broadcast colleagues Nick McCarville and Jill Krabus. The three of us have been having a great time on Bank of the West Radio. So if you attend the BNP Paribas Open, you can catch all the updates through the day and into the evening sessions. To join in the fun, the chat, and the information, all you have to do is pick up one of the free earpieces from the Bank of the West living wall in the Exhibitors Village. The tournament's biggest upset happened Monday when the new world number one Daniel Medvedev was beaten by one of the most charismatic and flamboyant players in world tennis, France's Gael Monfils. Rafa Nadal has upped his win stats for 2022 and is now 17-0. His teenage countryman, Carlos Alcaraz, played crushing tennis. Raleigh Opelka, the highest-ranked American man, and the BNP Paribas Open 17th seed had a three-set win. Maria Sakkari wasn't bearing any gifts for Petra Kvitova. And the Aussie qualifier, Daria Sabal, you may remember her as Daria Gavrilova, had an upset win. On that point, I'm bringing in Jill Krabus to give us her perspective of many of the results, and we'll hear from Rafa, Carlos, Daniel, Gail, and Maria. Hello, Jill. I've spoken to you a lot Monday, but hardly seen you. We've had you doing a Nick McCarvel and running around the court, so why don't you start and tell us all about Medvedev Monfils? Yeah, that was a thriller for sure. By the way, thank you. I like the hello, Jill, you gave me. That was fantastic. And I was running around the courts, but I I was up here at Stadium One watching Medvedev and Monfils match. It was a thriller. And you felt like Medvedev was pretty much in control of that, winning the first set. You thought he would probably slip through that second, but we know what a fighter Monfils is. And there's a moment in that second set where Monfils, you just felt like he started gaining the momentum. The crowd was getting into it. He's such an entertaining player to watch. And I think there was a moment in the second for me that I noticed that Medvedev started maybe not playing a couple points that great, and that's where Monfils capitalized. And sometimes it just takes that one moment. And then from that point on, Monfils just played so well. I don't think Medvedev played his best in the third set, but a lot of that had to do with Monfils just stepping inside the court. He was hitting some massive forehands. He just played so well. Yeah, the score was 4-6-6-3-6-1 to Monfils. And I asked both men when they thought the turning point of the match was. In my thinking, it was midway through the second set. The two guys differed, though, in their views. So let's first hear from Gail, and then we go straight into Dania. That's Daniel's nickname, by the way. We have few because in the first set, <clears throat> don't forget that uh, I had the opportunities before him. Uh, and then uh, at the beginning, uh, he, w- he was uh, actually had the, those opportunities. So, you know, the momentum going in and out. But uh, for me, uh, the real change was uh, the first break. After the first break in the third set, uh, I felt something was a little bit different. He was a bit off complaining. He broke his racket complaining. Uh, about uh, his forehand uh, a, a little bit and uh, of course when you have this information uh, you try to press a little bit uh, more on it uh, be uh, more uh, aware about it and 
you know, I give in more foreign to play, of course, and uh, moving uh, more towards the foreign. And then uh, it was a quick, quick again, a second, uh, second break. So at that time, I knew I would have to play tough. Yeah, finally looking back in the match, I guess the middle of the second set was the turning point. During the match, I didn't feel it this way. I felt like, you know, it was still uh, pretty even. Just didn't, didn't manage to, to, to play good enough. Like I remember the game, especially at 4-3, terrible game from me. And uh, yeah, that's, that's when you, you lose tennis matches. You know, you cannot, uh, if you want to win on high level, you cannot let these games happen because that's where I lost the second set. And third set, you know, uh, it's tough to talk about turning points or something like this, I just played. Not, not really well. And Gael in, uh, in country played really good. I think that was his best set. And that's how the scores happen sometimes. That's how we see scores like 6-1, 6-2, 6-0, when uh, one guy goes completely out, cannot put one ball in the court, and the other one is uh, you know, taking confidence and doing all the shots he can. And because of that loss, Daniel Medvedev is going to lose the world number one ranking that he picked up just the other day. What about Maria Sakkari, Jill? She really put the cleaners through Petra Kvitova. She gave up only three games in their match. Yeah, she was on fire, and I know Kvitova, her, the match that she won previously went to a long three-set match, and it was a battle, and so I was wondering how she was going to recover. She looked pretty good, but Sakari just looked that much fresher. She was bouncing around the court. She looked very determined and excited to start that match very quickly, and that's exactly what she did, and she just did not hardly make any mistakes. She was so solid, and she just hits with a ton of pace from the baseline, and, and she really really rushed Kvitova throughout that match. Yeah, 6-3, six, 6-love. Six, I, I, I really genuinely really like watching uh, Sakari play. Obviously Petras is a very tough opponent, but I came out of the court and I was feeling it today. Um, I think it was a very good day for me and a very, like, not a good day for her. Yeah, I was just tactically play, playing the right way and serving really good, so I think that was the reason why I won that match. I was getting a lot of cheap points, so uh, obviously whenever we had long rallies, I was the one who was actually winning them. Now, how good was Daria Sabal? She's come through the qualifying rounds and scored her second-seeded upset of this year's BNP Paribas Open, and she's into the last 16. Talk about that, and then I want you also to tell us about Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, Daria just played great and she went through qualifying and we were lucky enough to have her in our booth earlier and she was just so fantastic. She was saying she's been through a lot. She's had a lot of injuries. She had Achilles surgery, um, had plantar fasciitis, which takes a long time to get through. She didn't play much of 2021 and so it's great to see her back but she was saying those qualifying matches were so important for her because she needed match play it prepared her for the main draw when she was able to get in and qualify and you can see it she's having so much fun out there she's just happy to be back happy to be competing again and healthy and she did a great job of coming through that was a tough three set match but she performed well and she was very happy with how her body held up throughout that match and Carlos Alcaraz I mean He's on fire as well. I mean, you gotta hand it to Alcaraz. He is just playing so well. He's only 18 years old, and he's and just enjoying himself out there. He's been, um, you know, he's been out there. He's a name to watch because a lot of people you need to go see him play. He's one of the quickest guys on the tour. Handles himself so well. Such good demeanor on the court. And I know Craig, you have had a chance to speak with him. Yeah, I thought it was quite amusing, Joe, because he said he was surprised at the crowd 
crowd had connected with him, considering that he's only playing here for the second time at the BNP Paribas Open here in Tennis Paradise. So I asked him if he's being more recognized generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling that uh, I'm recognized a little more when I'm uh, traveling the, uh, around the world. Uh, I think the people recognize me here in the United States because of the performance in the US Open. But uh, layer by layer, I, I yeah, I'm growing up, and uh, the the people is uh, the people are recognizing recognizing me more uh, when I'm traveling. So this uh, this is great for me. Like yeah, I'm really like. <laughs> <laughs> And Alcaraz is lucky as well to have Juan Carlos Ferrero as a coach who's someone, I mean, former number one player in the world, just understands that mentality of being in that position, getting to the top. And he has such a calm demeanor about him. You see him in the stands, you see the way he is with Carlos on the practice court. And it just, he exudes confidence and he exudes that calmness. And I think that's what Alcaraz needs and also I mean Alcaraz I don't know if you've heard like being from Spain he's been compared to Nadal quite a bit but Juan Carlos is very adamant about no you your your own identity he's trying to separate that for Carlos because he is his own person he plays differently and so he is making sure that Carlos recognizes that and separating that for him which I think is really important because he's his own unique personality own unique player yeah, Jill just mentioned one other name in there, and then, as I'll add on, there's the most famous Spanish tennis player ever, one of that nation's greatest athletes and identities, and none other than Rafa Nadal. And he accounted for Dan Evans in straight sets, 7-5, 6-3. Nadal was great. I mean, I, I was wondering how he was going to come back because I think it, when he played Korda, there was a moment in the third set where it looked like he might have felt his foot. We know he's had problems with his foot for the last six or seven months. Even he's felt it in the last couple years, but especially last year. So I was wondering how he was going to come with that come up with after that first match against Corda that he had but he looked great I thought he was moving really well that's what I was paying attention to Evans is a tricky opponent because he can slice he, he can come forward into the net so you got to be ready for anything and Nadal looked really sharp yeah Rafa was asked if he had changed anything the way he was approaching his match from the first match he played which was against Sebi Corda and Corda was up 5-2 in the third to when he played Evans my surf was a little bit better today. Um, I don't know the percentage, maybe it's not that high, but uh, the feeling on the surf have been better. I think I started to hit some uh, winners with my forehand, something that the other day the forehand was not there. Uh, today, of course, at the beginning was not perfect, but the feeling on the ball uh, with the forehand starts to feel uh, more comfortable and having the chance to change directions uh, more often. And that's a step by step, and today was a step forward and I uh, have another day tomorrow to practice so let's see uh, gonna be a very tough match there is no other chance that play very well the next day if I want to keep going no if not okay uh, I'm gonna go back home but uh, I hope be able to to increase my level I am not far from that so let's see if I'm able to make that happen so, Joe, what about some of the other action? Because there was plenty around, and the tallest man in tennis also had a three-set win. 
Yeah, that's Riley Opelka. He played great. He was over on Stadium 2. He came through against Denis Shapovalov. They had just played in Australia, and Shapovalov had won that match. That was at the Australian Open. So Opelka made some good adjustments. I thought he was ready for uh, a lot of, like a lot longer rallies because these courts are slower, so he was prepared for that. He dug in there on those long rallies, which was great to see. Um, so he came through. Another one, Elena Rabakina came uh, through against Victoria Azarenka, who of course was a finalist in October. She's won this event a couple times. So that was a great win. She's a very dangerous player. You got it. She's got a great serve. She hits with a lot of pace off the ground. Um, Kudimatova came through. She played Buskova, who unfortunately had to retire from a, an ankle injury. So we're hoping she's gonna recover very quickly. Um, and Von Drusova, oh my gosh, that was a very long match. That was a three-set match against the number fourth seed, Annette Kontovit. That was an incredible match. Von Drusova throwing in a lot of um, drop shots that really helped you throughout the match. And Victoria Golovich, Craig, you probably love watching her play that beautiful one-handed backhand. You love one-handed backhands. She came through against Jasmine Paolini, which was great. And a lot of doubles as well. I mean, Fritz and Paul came through against the number four seeds, Cabal and Farah. Goff and McNally came through. Ram and Salisbury came through. Um, so it's just been, it's, it was a great day. Thanks, Jill. And now to the rundown of matches for Tuesday. And this is where I bring in Mr. Nicholas Ricardo. Well, it's my favorite day of the BMP Paribas Open. It's Tennis Tuesday. And we've got... You From know, Manic Monday to Tennis yeah. Tuesday. There, there we go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the tournament has continued to deliver. And I, I think... You know, whereas Monday we had Rafael Nadal and Daniil Medvedev, obviously that big upset. I think on Tuesday, there's a few more nuanced matchups where you're looking at some of these players that have been around for a couple of years, maybe waiting for their big breakthrough. Craig, not necessarily of a Nadal caliber, but Simona Halep kicks us off on stadium court. She's won multiple slams. She's playing her countrywoman, her fellow Romanian, Serana Kirstea. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Simona was really fired up in her win in the previous round over Coco Goff. That match to be followed by Iga Sviantek and Angelique Kerber. There's two more slam champs. That one, then, I like this matchup. John Isner, all what, six foot nine of him uh, against Diego Schwartzman, who stands maybe five six, which it's truly a David versus Goliath. The evening session set to, among other players, feature Andre Rublev and Francis Tiafa, which we're looking forward to, of course. And then elsewhere, you know, Matteo Berrettini against Lloyd Harris, that could be an interesting one. Taylor Fritz taking on Jauma Munar. He and his doubles partner, Tommy Paul, they're both in singles action. Paul coming off of that big Zverev win. Paul's got uh, Alexander Dimonor, your countryman, the Australian. And actually Taylor and Tommy came in to our Bank of the West radio booth. We had a good chat, very relaxed. And I, I think that they feel as though the single success is freeing them up on the doubles court, which is pretty cool to see. We also had Daria Saville, another Australian in the radio booth. She's taking on Maria Zachary, but don't sleep on Saville. Five match wins in a row, two in qualifying, three through the main draw. You know, and elsewhere, it's such a, a great day of tennis to look forward to. I'm Yeah, you just pointed out, I'm excited for it too. Grigor Dimitrov and Alexander Bublik. I think if you're a tennis fan, you know Dimitrov, you know his story. He's been a Grand Slam semifinalist a few times. He's a player that plays with that zippy one-handed backhand. But Alexander Bublik, he's from Kazakhstan. 
He's got a standout game. He just took out Andy Murray, but he is really fun to watch. Funny, funky, inventive, creative, does everything off the court, does everything on the court, and I think he could give uh, Dimitrov a lot of trouble. Well, that sounds like another fantastic day of action here at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Nick, thank you very much. So that brings episode 10 of the Tennis Paradise podcast to a close. On behalf of Jill and Nick, thank you for your company. We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast and hearing the players directly. Till the next day of the BNP Paribas Open, this is Craig Gable.